0: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty, the Armstrong and Getty Show.
3: At the University of California, ethnic studies faculty say calling attacks on Israeli civilians, terrorism, is making Palestinian students and community members unsafe. Writing, quote, We call on the UC administrative leadership to retract its charges of terrorism to uplift the Palestinian freedom struggle and to stand against Israel's war crimes. Regent Jay Surs fired back, quote, Your letter is rife with falsehoods and seeks to legitimize and defend the horrific savagery of the Hamas massacre of October seven
4: that's the uh screeching young woman who began to lead the chant from palestine to mexico all walls have to go do i remember that correctly
3: yeah so she interrupted the secretary of state yesterday as he was laying out uh, the current state of things in the middle east and one of the things that I hate about when protesters do that, do that is they're successful. They were successful with us and most media organizations. They get so much of the attention, and he was interrupted by, and then you lose the thread of what was actually said. He said some really interesting things yesterday, controversial to some, that we'll get to coming up about, the war in the Middle East and our role in it and everything like that. But people like conflict so much, I guess, or whatever. You you know, you get excited (laughs) about the protests. Of course, the fact that she sounded like an unhinged lunatic was appealing. I think you make an excellent point, though. You have whatever you think of him, Anthony Blinken,
4: the Secretary of State of the United States of America, making statements on warfare, terrorism in and, and the world, which is more or less a flame. And, and I can picture the newsrooms of America preparing that report, then saying, wait, stop, hold the presses. A moron is yelling. A moron is yelling. Right. <laughs> and just putting aside the previous thing.
0: Yeah. Give
4: me tape of the yelling moron. These are strange times. So uh, that gal was, was yelling uh, all sorts of stuff and chanting and leading her cohort of numbskulls in their self-righteous bellowings. Um, but the reason I brought up the chant from Palestine to Mexico, all walls have got to go. If you're a, a, a thinking homo sapien, you're thinking, what the hell? Palestine and Mexico, all walls have to go? How about the ones holding up your roof, sweetheart? Anyway. Uh, How in the world are those things connected? Well, it all relates back to modern neo-Marxism and the settler colonial narrative is a huge part of that. And as I've explained before, and we'll get into some of the details, it's an effort to cast everything as a victim and an oppressor and then get all of the victims to coalesce, to overthrow all of the oppressors and and bring usher in the grand, glorious future in which the revolution will come or something. But the point is you've got to overthrow the oppressor and the downtrodden
3: will unite and bring a utopia, I guess. Okay, I'm going to try to listen as open-mindedly as possible possible because oh oh, i wouldn't because on the on the face of it it just seems so ridiculous to me as we've talked about many times okay when at what point in time on a particular square foot of land are you going to decide that's the rightful owner pick a spot in in france that has belonged to 50 well god if you're going to go all the way back in time it might be hundreds of different Groups, tribes, religions, races, whatever. Which one of them is the rightful owner of that?
4: Right. That is uh, one, uh, you know, a bit of uh, inconsistency or non- nonsense that's at the root of this. That leaped in my mind, my mind, years and years and years ago, when uh, Mexican activists, Mexican American activists, were chanting, uh, "We didn't cross the border. The border crossed us." Well, the borders move like 150 times depending on which border and which country or province or state or precinct or, or whatever. And you're the descendants of Spanish people and you treat the indigenous people like crap. So not quite sure what you're going on about. And that's, you know, like many cultish beliefs, that's the story. If you scratch beneath the surface, you'll realize there's just no logical underpinning. There's no moral underpinning, which is why you are absolutely not allowed to scratch beneath the surface. That's strict verboten. When you're talking about the woke ideology, I've got a couple of pieces in front of me. Both are brilliant. Both are fairly lengthy. I'm going to sprinkle a little of this little of that in uh, Neil Ferguson, who's a brilliant historian. Um, we've talked to him a handful of times on the show. We've actually been in the same room with him. I was afraid to even open my mouth. My mouth, I, I thought, uh, better to, to be remain silent and be thought a fool. So I went with that plan. Um but he wrote a piece in the Daily Mail recently. He goes through the protests and the bellowings on campus and the signs being flown and the denial of the horror of what is clearly a terrorist attack and gives a bunch of examples. Then a bunch of examples of the backlash at U UPenn, at Harvard, at, Penn, at, um, uh,
3: at uh, the Citadel, all sorts of different places. Let, let me interject that. Um... In- interject away. This is not the normal nonsense of the last decade or so I feel like we are we are actually at a point of these these arguments need to be rebutted because aggressively. made aggressively cuz major policy decisions are going to happen or not happen depending on who wins these arguments I would guess, and, and feel free to correct me if
4: you're close to academia. We would absolutely love to hear you, uh, hear from you on this topic, whether you want to text or email at uh, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. I was about to say, I feel like we have about 10 years worth of college graduates who have been absolutely marinated in some of these beliefs. Um, and, and that's going to be a real challenge for us as a society because the beliefs are ugly and horrifying. Uh, but anyway, we'll get into that. So, uh, Neil Ferguson mentions at Stanford, the university where I work, there have been several pro-Palestinian demonstrations in recent weeks, including one organized by Stanford Students for Justice in Palestine. You got Palestine, you got uh, anti-Israel graffiti. Most shocking episode occurred in a classroom just days after the attack when, according to student testimony in the San Francisco Chironical, a lecturer blamed the conflict on Zionists, said Hamas's actions were resistant, resistance, and asked Jewish students to raise their hands and then separated them from their belongings saying he was simulating what Jews were doing to Palestinians the lecturer Amir Hassan Loggins then asked how many Jews had died in the holocaust when students answered with 6 million Loggins retorted yes only 6 million and he argued that the number of victims of colonialism was larger
2: okay
3: so i hadn't what? heard that one i hadn't heard that one that angle before
4: Well, and and so what if it was? How about the Armenian genocide? How about the Hutus and the Tutsis? How about, uh, you know, you want to go back to Montezuma? Or uh, the the
3: Spanish conquistadors. What are you talking? As if there can be only one horror? What are you even talking about? So having heard someone with a much higher IQ than mine the other day spouting this sort of stuff uh, because they buy it. So is the whole... They were basically laying all the troubles of the world at the feet of the United States, Britain, France, all the countries... White people and Jews. Yeah. Yeah, There you go. White people and Jews, conveniently. Um, uh, And you you can point to all these different problems, practically everything on planet Earth, because of that. And... And if you go with that narrative, you get to excuse all levels of pushback. I guess if yeah, literally anything. Yeah, including beheading babies and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, rape, um,
4: that sort of thing. Yeah, if um, but, and that is you know it's an idiotic philosophy in that it is it is so grossly oversimplified. Um, I mean, it's, it's unspeakably dumb, but human beings, like us or not, and I don't, long for nothing more than a completely simplistic worldview that allows us to be angry at the other people. We crave it. And our young people are being taught a, an insidious version of this, uh, you know, that, uh, a fulfillment of that desire anyway, so back to Neil's uh, purse just for a uh, piece for just a little bit he, so this professor proceeded to ask every student to uh, he asked every student to say where their ancestors were from labeling each a colonizer or colonized depending on their answer. when one said they were from Israel the lecturer responded, oh definitely a colonizer. If that strikes you as outrageous, you've clearly missed the fact that such thing is rife throughout the Anglosphere Academy, the English-speaking universities. Wokeism covers a multitude of sins, he writes. The academic left is much more complex a coalition nowadays than it was in the 1930s when Cambridge Cambridge had its covert cadre of card-carrying communists, or the 80s when Oxford snubbed Margaret Thatcher. Although Marxist socialism is still part of the package, class warfare and anti-imperialism coexist at times uneasily with a variety of other ideologies based on alternate forms of identity, such as race, critical race theory or anti-racism. Gender, the ever-growing abbreviation LGBTQ plus I, A minus, whatever, now stands for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, intersex, asexual, goes on. Woke originated as African-American slang, but is now defined in the dictionaries as aware of and actively attended to important facts and issues especially racial and social justice like all cults and sects they have their own idiosyncratic language and rituals these include stating one's preferred pronouns at every opportunity that is a ritual of the woke left don't do it friends and also whenever you said that you said that or neil wrote that uh what the don't do it friends yeah I I said that. Those were your words. Okay. Well, he said it's a a ritual of their particular cult. So I have a feeling he would agree with me. Then he mentions always announcing that uh, one is meeting on land expropriated from indigenous people. But then in marked contrast to conventional scientific understanding, race is an essential, unalterable attribute. You're either BIPOC or you're incurably white. But gender is almost infinitely fluid. Go figure. In each case, there is a hierarchy determined mainly by the extent to which your assigned minority were victimized and marginalized by the white cisgender colonizers. And the intersectionality thing produces some very strange bedfellows. Free Palestine is a feminist issue, according to a meme I saw last week. It's a reproductive rights issue. It's an indigenous rights issue. It's a climate justice issue. It's a queer rights issue. It's an abolitionist issue. Quite how queer rights activists would fare if they traveled to Gaza to join in the fight for freedom is unclear, given Hamas's implacable commitment to Sharia law. So the long and short of this is they've always got to cast somebody as the victim, no matter how nonsensical it is. If a piece of land has changed hands 27 times in the last 115 years, it's the 26th time that was the legitimate time. If the people who currently hold it are white or Jews, it's evil. If the people who currently hold it who stole it from the 26 people who were white or Jew or black or brown or whatever, if those people are BIPOC, then it's perfectly fine. So it's a it's a black and white filter to see the world and and the folks who are on the one side of the filter are never ever ever right no matter if they give, like, 90% of the financial aid to a particular area. And the people on the other side of the filter are never, ever, ever wrong, even if they rape little girls and behead children and, and pluck the eyes out of people in front of their children, all of which happened, it's substantiated, they can never be wrong. That is a cult, it's ugly, and you've got to speak out against it.
3: Uh, Thoughts? Our text line 415-295-KFTC. A lot more on the way, including an update on the whole Biden crime family story that uh, maybe you haven't heard. Stay with us.
2: Armstrong and Getty.
0: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: The Armstrong and Getty Show.
1: So
3: we got got this text. We're going to do a late-night joke-off centered around uh, Halloween. Uh, We got this text. Last night, one of the more eccentric neighbors who works at Costco was giving away Costco rotisserie chickens. (laughs) (laughs) What? I'm an eight-year-old dressed as Spider-Man. And I get a rotisserie chicken.
4: <laughs> well, the main course is taken care of, said no eight-year-old ever.
0: <laughs> Your Halloween oh. bag is all warm. <laughs>
4: right, exactly. Got juices in the bottom congealing. Yeah, And kind of heavy. That's funny. I have funny. to lug around
3: this chicken for uh, six blocks
4: well this is controversial usually a late night joke off includes three jokes from three different comedians on the same topic and i joe getty grade them for who's the best and the bottom grade getter is banned from comedy for life but we only have two comedians so we're gonna have two from one one for the other that is not an official joke off this is a friendly as they say in the world of soccer this is merely an exhibition michael <laughs> let's hear them.
1: that's right the white house last night hosted local children for trick-or-treating and biden got a Pretty serious scare when one of the kids came dressed up as his approval rating. The website CandyStore.com recently released a list of the most popular candy in the country, including Sour Patch Kids in New York, Butterfingers in Massachusetts, and Marlboro Reds in Florida. Yeah, you can take two, kid. Well, this is fun. Last
3: night at the White House, President Biden and the First Lady handed out books and candy to trick-or-treaters. Books. <laughs> some kids were like, I got a Twix. while well, others were like, I got Fifty Shades of Grey. What? <laughs> <laughs> I read that some towns have laws that ban older kids from trick-or-treating. Oh. <laughs> oh. I get a little skeptical when a kid's like, no Tootsie Rolls, the hell of my bridge work. <laughs> Top of my bridge. <laughs> Um, yeah. uh, I was digging through my kids. Uh, I can't say this very loud. I wouldn't want my kids to hear this. Uh, I was digging through my kids' bag after they went to uh, bed last night. See, I don't let them have the bags of candy in their room because I'm afraid they'll, you know, be eating candy. So I keep them out on the counter where I eat the candy. I'm not exactly sure that's, that's better. better. Yeah. Um, but if I'm going to steal, I want to steal some of the good stuff. And uh, I think Butterfingers. Butterfingers, my, if I'm going to steal something, I love. I like a Butterfinger. Man, that gets jammed up in my my teeth. Stuff's like cement up there. My kids uh, mock tootsie rolls as being hard as a rock and tasting like wax. As an old tootsie roll is a delicious and subtle treat. Back when we used to appreciate subtlety, the
4: candy didn't have to tart itself off and (laughs) tart itself up and show a little leg to get attention. (laughs) Like today's <laughs> slut candies.
3: Have you had a tootsie roll recently? I think maybe they changed the formula since we were kids. They I have just, not had it. No. They are hard as a rock and taste like wax. I'm not sure there's any. Thing you know what I was reading
4: about yesterday was the history of uh, scares, Halloween trick-or-treating scares. It's like it's something that has to exist in America. It's existed in every era,
3: and it's never been true. That is interesting. I would like to talk about that later.
0: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, The Armstrong and Getty Show.
2: The ongoing war in the Middle East has raised the threat of an attack against Americans in the United States to a whole nother level.
3: That's Christopher Ray, the FBI Director yesterday. He was testifying. I don't feel like that got enough attention. It's unfortunate, I think that it happened on Halloween because the, even the news coverage it got, you know, a lot of, a lot of America was running around and either partying or taking their kids trick-or-treating or whatever. He said some pretty frightening things about the state of uh, the state of the world. Let's go on to hear Christopher Ray, and then we got a former FBI guy that's going to decode some of what Christopher Ray said.
2: In just the past few weeks multiple foreign terrorist organizations have called for attacks against Americans and the West. Al-Qaeda issued its most specific call to attack the United States in the last five years. ISIS urged its followers to target Jewish communities in the United States and Europe. Here in the United States, our most immediate concern is that violent extremists, individuals or small groups, will draw inspiration from the events in the middle east to carry out attacks against americans going about their daily lives
3: keeping in mind that we more or less have an open border while he's talking about that and everyone knows it uh, everybody in the world knows you can just walk into the united states more from christopher ray yesterday
2: i will say uh, that this is a threat that is uh, reaching in some way sort of historic levels Um, In part because, uh, as you know all too well, the Jewish community uh, is targeted by terrorists really across the spectrum. Homegrown violent extremists, foreign terrorist organizations, both Sunni and Shia, domestic violent extremists. uh, And in fact, our statistics would indicate that for a group that represents only about 2.4% of the American public, they account for something like sixty percent of all religious-based hate
3: crimes. That's an amazing statistic, right? You remember when white supremacists were the number one threat in America? Yeah, that, that came up uh, last night on one of the cable shows I was talking about. I want to, oh, I want to, okay. I want to mention that. But first, um, this is Frank Figliuzzi. He's uh, former FBI assistant something or other. And uh, I saw him on uh, NBC last night, and he had this to say. We've got to listen to the FBI director. I'm fluent in FBI speak, and what we heard today was the strongest language used yet by an FBI director since the beginning of of the war in Israel with Hamas. Um, When you hear an FBI director use references like historic levels of threat when he reminds us that both al-Qaeda and ISIS have now called for attacks uh, against the U.S. and the West, when he says this is a time for concern um, and that multiple terror groups are now threatening Americans, it is time for us to be incredibly vigilant. So he's basically saying uh, the FBI director or a guy like Christopher Ray does not throw around historic loosely. Oh, and again, he's basing that on specific information as opposed to just kind of a perception. Right. By the way, so that guy getting to what you just said, that Frank, whatever his name is, the host on MSNBC tried to drag him into a conversation about white supremacy. And of course, there's the ongoing threat of white supremacy. And he actually said, well, we can't get distracted by that right now. And that's when he launched into the, I can decode what Christopher Ray said for you, and laid <laughs> out the things. But yeah. They tried to, yeah, white supremacy is the number one threat in America. Right. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what we all got to be worried about. That's who's going to sneak across the border. White supremacists. We're going to launch all kinds of attacks. It's not going to be somebody from who knows where that's part of ISIS or Al Qaeda or just has that mindset of everybody in the United States is bad. Well, to quote the completely incompetent
4: and dishonest KJP, what we're really trying to protect against is an anti-Muslim backlash. You know, it's annoyed the hell out of me for the longest time. The, the lefty point of view that only white people can be bad, <clears throat> only white people can be racist. It is an idiotic and self-evidently uh, false point of view, and yet it's caught on, taught on our college campuses constantly. You remember the so-called surge in anti-Asian violence uh, in the wake of uh, COVID. That was mostly from black people. If you look at the actual numbers, yeah, black people can be ugly and nasty too, just like white people can. Absolutely white people can. Or you have the threat against the Jews. Do you think the real threat against the Jews is a bunch of redneck dip Who are going around with various theories about the protocols of the elders of Zion. This quasi-Soviet propaganda crap. No, the main threat against Jews is from the Islamic world, obviously. But our, our enlightened classes are so uncomfortable saying these things out loud. I don't know why. I don't get why. I can sleep at night knowing that Chinese people still harbor resentments against Japanese people for, you know, the, the age of Japanese conquest. That doesn't make me soft on white racism or accommodating of hatred of the Jews by Muslims. I just don't understand you people. You need such an incredibly oversimplistic black and white view of the world. I don't. I, again, I don't get it.
3: Yeah, I was going to roll into some of the Secretary Blinken testimony from yesterday. Maybe we'll do that later. I can't handle that uh, that much heavy duty stuff, and well, my head's going to cave in on itself. Yeah, I hear you. you. You have to go about your life and still enjoy yourself and find joy. And
4: and I just, yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting doing this show when the news cycle
3: is so relentlessly heavy. But tying the FBI director to what Anthony Blinken said, and we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, we're we're in, we're already in it way more than is being acknowledged. We're going to be in it fully as soon as there isn't a a bigger attack somewhere. We've been attacked, what, 24 times or something like that? Our military has been attacked by Iran dozens of times. The fact that we're pretending that's not happening is shocking. (laughs) That might be the most underappreciated, underreported story that's going on right now. Um, I'm not that concerned by it because I think it's going to explode when finally some service members are killed, unfortunately, that's going to happen, and it's going to get everybody's attention, and everybody's going to wake up to the fact that we're war are Or there's going to be an attack here in the United States by somebody you know involved with or sympathetic to Iran for all the reasons you were just talking about. Um, that's 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 coming. I would agree. Where where did I see? I think it was the New York
4: Times. They were talking about how Iran, which has been uh, vowing to wipe Israel off the face of the map for generations now. Now that it's on and it's time, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah well, we'll keep empowering, uh, you know, the forces for good around the uh, the area, but uh, Hezbollah, why don't you stand down for a little bit, just to squeeze off a shot now and again. We don't actually want to get drawn into a war that could destroy both Hamas and Hezbollah because the Iran's tentacles then in the region would be cut off, so... You know, it's time for them to pay off their, we're
3: going to wipe out Israel, and they're not willing to do it. I hope you're right. I hope whoever is reporting that is correct. They're sure attacking the United States a lot. Seems like if you want to not get wiped off the map yourself, attacking the United States uh, is a bad idea. And they're doing it regularly every single day. Yeah, I think they are just trying
4: to still play the tough guy without provoking a response that would seriously damage them. They're trying to keep up their PRs. Yeah, we're the regional tough guy that's going to take on those evil doers, the great Satan, but they're not actually going to throw a punch. Uh, you know, that's that's a, know a, a poorly worded. That. They are throwing punches, but they're not going to throw the big punch that gets the big response. Yeah, I hope that's right, too. I mean, nobody knows for sure, but that theory fit with uh, everything we're seeing. Um.
3: I'll try to find that for you, just so we can, uh, you know, get I that feel, in full. I feel like I don't know about other uh, parents who maybe have did th- did this. I feel like eating a whole bunch of candy last night didn't help me today, energy wise. Hmm. Any chance there's a relationship uh, no, between I, no? Blood sugar, insulin,
4: energy. Ah, that's just an unproven theory. Yeah, I think gobbling ca- down candy is great for
3: empty your empty calories. God, I sure. need to go on a multi-day vegetable binge or something <laughs> to try yeah. to counteract this. Were you good, Michael? I know you got your new health problems. Yeah, you, you, I was very good. Good for you. Yeah, you're kind of like um, you're kind of like had. somebody who quits drinking trying to get through their first New Year's Eve or something. You're a guy who likes candy and stuff, getting through your first Halloween.
0: Yeah, I uh, had two very tiny Snickers bites. I mean, super, super small. That was my Halloween. There you go. So,
3: was it difficult or not? It, it was. It was somewhat difficult, but I got mm-hmm. through it. Yeah. Well, you got the big uh, health wake-up call that Yeah, be, that does it. When, when a, I have noticed, doing it for scary health reasons is different than doing things for vanity reasons. <laughs> When you're doing things, when you're working out or trying to eat right for vanity reasons, it's very easy to say, "Ask eh, screw it today. Yeah. But if yeah, it's going to have a stroke or a heart attack or diabetes or whatever, it's a little easier to stay on the beam. Agreed. Agreed. At some point, maybe later on, I want to get into the history
4: of the uh, Halloween candy scares. Oh, I, I, I really want to hear that. Is it irrelevant now that it's November 1st? Uh, no.
3: Are we still enjoying the warm Halloween afterglow? I think we are. I think we're cuddling the next morning after the... Oh, too much, too much, too that much. Was there. There's Take no that lines the- in your world. Edit that out of the podcast. Get Nobody a line! Uh, so we got much more on the way. Stay here.
2: Armstrong and Getty.
0: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: The Armstrong and Getty Show. Last one still stinging
3: Back on my mind I love Halloween. It's that special day that we tell our kids to eat tons of sugar, knock on strangers' doors, and lie about who they are. It's just... It's just good parenting, really. Halloween is a magical night where we all pretend to be someone we're not. Or that's also known, posting on Instagram. And uh, <laughs> Halloween is interesting because it turns every family into the mafia. Kids come home with candy and have to kick up 10% to the boss. It's like, hey, here's fun-sized Snickers, all right, just wet my beak. <laughs> That's the mob was- or the Biden family. More on that next hour. Oh, That's what I was doing last night. Wetting my beak, huh? I paid for those <laughs> costumes. I walked you around the neighborhood. I need a taste. You
4: just stand there. A little more. Keep coming. A little more. There we go. That Butterfinger. Now we got a deal going. Yeah. So it's, it's so funny. I swear this fulfills some sort of human need. Uh, Walpole. Writing, did you hear about the rainbow fentanyl pills that look like sweet tarts candies or the chocolate bar laced with cyanide or heroin, the needle in the caramel apple, the poisoned Halloween cupcake? And they go into uh, a description of what Joel Best does. He's a criminologist at the University of Delaware, and he has cataloged instances of contaminated Halloween candy going back nearly as far as American style trick or treating has existed. Uh, rather, is, he's cataloged is, all the false reports, hoaxes, urban legends, and baseless panics about so-called Halloween
3: sadism. How how far back does trick-or-treating go? Uh, wow, what a great question. I don't actually know that. The modern knock-on-the-door trick-or-treat, somebody hands you some candy. How old is it? I don't even know. Is it well, hundreds of years old? I can certainly vouch for the early 70s. Um, I think it it might have started in 1968, for all I know. I
4: remember seeing pictures of kids in Halloween masks in, I think it was the 1930s, uh, because they were so macabre and, and gross looking. They all look like either ghouls or malformed people disturbing. Um, so it's, it's been going on a good part of the 20th century anyway. But So um, he, he has cataloged all of these urban legends and hoaxes and falses, false reports. There really was a teenager hospitalized on Halloween after eating a cupcake, but he later admitted to overdosing on a prescription medication. Okay. There really was a 55-year-old man injured by a sewing needle in his stomach lining after eating caramel apples. But given his age and that he first became ill a few days before Halloween, seems unlikely he got the apple trick-or-treating. But it was around that time, and so the story morphed. You know the game of telephone? You go along uh, repeating a phrase to one person after the other,
3: and it morphs in small ways, and finally is unrecognizable. Uh, Needles and caramel apples was the one in my house when I was a kid. My mom checking the caramel apples to make sure people hadn't put needles in there. (laughs) And I remember as
4: a radio guy, we would announce that you could do this where and when, the idea of X-raying Halloween candy. To make sure there are no needles or nails or razor blades or grenades or anything in them. <laughs> grenades. Just it never happens. In any case, the incident was first reported in 2003, and uh, Mr. Best dates the rise of sharp objects in Apple's paranoia to the 1960s. At least two reported deaths of children during or shortly after trick or treating were later found to have resulted from natural causes. One child who allegedly died from heroin-laced candy was later determined to have found a relative stash of the drug, and the cops concluded that family members laced the child's Halloween candy after the fact to throw suspicion off themselves.
3: Oh, okay.
4: Almost identical thing happened in 2018, but that time the drug was meth.
3: Interesting, and that's so easy to believe. Um,
4: And in perhaps the most appalling case, a boy who died after eating Halloween candy laced with cyanide was later found to have been intentionally murdered by his own father for insurance money. The father had also given poisoned candy to his daughter and three neighbor kids, though thankfully none of them consumed it. He was executed by the state of Texas in 1984. But it is legit nothing to worry about. No, absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't worry about it at all. They do mention that in 1982, after seven people in the Chicago area died from poisoned Tylenol, that was when I lived in the Chicago area, and trust me, we were concerned and not taking Tylenol. Uh, more than 40 communities banned trick-or-treating that year, and reports of suspected poisoning spiked. During the Halloween seasons in the years following the 9-11 attack, rumors spread of terrorist attacks at shopping malls holding safe Halloween events. And by contrast, in 2017, when an ISIS-inspired terrorist killed eight people in New York on Halloween, concerns about additional attacks didn't even last through the evening. So we seem to have a need to, I don't know. Because it's, what do you think it is? Because kids, adults do something very different that time of year. We've got to have, like, a guidebook or a, a set of rules for what to look out for that night.
3: I don't in know In a what way it is. that it really isn't necessary. Do people need that, or does the media need that? Oh, did that's the, an excellent question. Did Did modern media figure out we are psychological easy prey for this sort of thing, and so they... You know, run with it every single year. Like you said, it's guaranteed clicks. Modern example. In August of 22, the DEA released a warning about a surge in brightly colored fentanyl
4: pills that looked like candy or sidewalk chalk. The colors were part of a, quote, deliberate effort by drug traffickers to drive addiction amongst kids and young adults, according to the head of the DEA. The The Post noted that the, D, the media, not the DEA, had dubbed these uh, pills rainbow fentanyl, and nobody mentioned Halloween trick-or-treating or the surreptitious uh, transfer of the pills done suspecting kids. Over the next two months, news outlets highlighted drug busts in which traffickers used large can- containers for candy like Whoppers and Skittles and toys like Legos to attempt to conceal their illicit target, their cargo rather, uh, citing the DEA warning uh, during a Fox interview with the head of the DEA in which he said, we have not seen any connection to Halloween. I want to be clear about that. On screen, the text read, Halloween fentanyl warning, or I'm sorry, rainbow fentanyl warnings ahead of Halloween. So even as the head of the DEA was saying, we have seen no connection to Halloween, the screen on Fox News said, rainbow fentanyl warnings ahead of Halloween.
3: Okay. Well, then that tells you everything you need to know. I think so. Yeah, I think so.
4: It's a need we have, I guess.
3: It. Oh,
4: I'm sorry, one more one more thing I have to throw in. There is one thing that kills more children on Halloween than any other day of the year, according to four decades of data, vehicles.
3: Yeah. I was shocked last night. I'm shocked every year, but I was shocked by how fast some people were driving through little, you know, cul de y sort of streets. It's like why? There's kids everywhere. Why are you driving twenty eight miles an hour and there's little kids everywhere? What is wrong yeah, with you? I know. It makes me insane. I want to drag him out of their car and,
4: well, guess, you could guess the rest.
3: <laughs> if you miss a segment of the show, get the podcast. Armstrong and Getty on demand.
2: Armstrong and Getty.
0: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals.